Good afternoon, fellow Patriots. This is Matt Shea, and welcome to Patriot Radio, broadcasting live from deep inside the heart of the future Liberty State. Brought to you once again by On Fire Ministries. In the legacy of Dr. Stan Monteith, bringing you the story behind the story and the news behind the news, where it's not about right or left, it's about right and wrong. It's about our hope not being in man, but in Jesus Christ. About not ending in prayer, but moving to action. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Father, deliver us from the evil one. Welcome to Patriot Radio. Good afternoon, fellow Patriots. This is Matt Shea. And today on Patriot Radio, we have inside footage of the recent so-called Nephilim police response in Miami, Florida. We also have breaking news just 11 minutes before I came on the show, coming here in just a second. And on top of that, we're going to be talking about current geostrategic events. And finally, we're going to hear from one of the most qualified experts on intelligence analysis that I know anyway, J. Michael Waller. Here on Patriot Radio, we break news faster and more accurately than the larger networks. And our heart is for you and your families to be informed and prepared for the times ahead and, well, the times that are already upon us. But here's the thing. No fear. We were made for this. Please make sure you share Patriot Radio on Rumble, Patriot Radio US on Rumble. Share it and follow us and help us break through the censorship. And right now, we're going to go immediately to breaking news out of the Middle East. U.S. officials are reporting right now, and so is uh, CNN, apparently, that strikes against the Houthi terrorist group in western Yemen are being carried out by the United States and British aircraft, as well as Tomahawk land attack missiles launched by U.S. naval ships in the Red Sea. If we can bring up a map about this, coming to us from Visegrad 24, actually, this is where the United States is striking and, again, trying to secure shipping lanes. I believe that this response has been uh, weeks in the making. But I want to tell you that in addition to this response, something else happened dramatically yesterday, and that was Iran admitted that it hijacked a, a cargo ship ostensibly with some U.S. ownership. So there is the very... Great potential here over the weekend that this, in fact, does turn into a broader Middle East war, even outside of Yemen. So at the tip of Saudi Arabia, you can see that. And that's why this is such a key uh, geographic location. Gulf of Aden and the Red Sea, a massive portion of the world's shipping comes through this port. 90% of that shipping right now has stopped. And so the United States and Great Britain have now started a war in Yemen. Wow. We're going to follow up with this at the end of the show as well, just to make sure we catch anything that happens between now and then. Please pray for our airmen and airwomen, our members of the Navy and also members of the Special Forces who are probably already on the ground in Yemen as well. In fact, we lift them up to you right now, Lord, and we thank you for protecting them. In Jesus' name, amen. And that brings us to our Bible teaching today. And it's so interesting. I, I chose this before the episode this morning. Travis got the text. We can even show you the timing on the text. 
Well, here's, here is what I said this morning, and I, I tweeted it out as well. A great shaking is coming to America, and I want to read a Bible verse for you from Hebrews. Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. This expression, yet once more, denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken as of created things, so that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let's show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Hebrews 12, verses 26 through 29. Now, here is, here is the main point of this passage. There is going to be a shaking, but when we are founded on the rock, the kingdom of God will not be shaken, and the kingdom of God is inside us and in our midst, as it says in Luke 17. So during this time, come what may, we are Americans, we are Christians, we will not be shaken. Now, during such a time, we're also admonished, and I want to read from Psalm 112, verse 7, out of the International Standard Version, he need not fear a bad report, for his heart is unshaken, since he trusts in the Lord. Amen. Our trust is in God during these times of chaos and trial. And that will bring us through. On the next episode of Patriot Radio, I'm going to go into a prophecy from one of the greatest leaders America has ever had. And we're going to go through that prophecy next episode and see how it matches up with where we're at, but also what the solution is for us in the church right now. In other words, it's not just enough to know the signs of the times. We need to know what to do about it. So I would just end and conclude with this idea. Let's start praying valiant men and valiant women arise for such a time as this. And that brings us to the good versus evil segment today. And the so-called Nephilim police response out of Miami. Well, there are some legitimate questions that were brought up. I mean, dozens and dozens of police cars come to a mall. Nobody seems to want to talk about it. They close the airport. That's very strange. The, the response had everybody asking questions as they should. So what really happened? Well, first, let's start with what's happening in the narrative recently. People like Tucker Carlson have been weighing in on the appearance of aliens or Nephilim or the spiritual. Let's go ahead and roll the clip. These things have landed on military bases, including famously in Germany, in West Germany in the 70s, and servicemen have approached them. And they approach and they get traumatic brain injury. We got a call from this guy who's a tenured Stanford Medical School professor. He comes on and he's like, 11 years ago, the US government reached out to me because I'm an expert on head injuries, on brain injuries, traumatic brain injuries. And they had all these court cases from families of U.S. servicemen, over 100, who'd been killed by UFOs. The Department of Defense was refusing to give them death benefits or medical benefits. And he's like, so they're in the courts. And I was like, there are over 100 servicemen killed by UFOs? Like, what? He's like, yeah. And there are court cases about it. I'm like, why isn't this on the front page of the New York Times? I don't know. And in a number of cases, these things have landed on military bases, wow. including famously in Germany. So what I want to I want to highlight with this specifically is that he was also interviewed in, in a separate context and mentioned that he didn't really want to talk yet about it 
because there's a spiritual component regarding the UFOs and aliens. This is fascinating because this comes on the heels of some interesting novels that have been out there, but one in particular called Childhood's End, which is about mysterious overlords and nobody can really ever see them because we're, quote, not ready for their appearance, end quote. And they actually are who is ruling the United States of America and the world. And Childhood's End then continues at the very last passages of the book to bring these creatures into the light and when they're exposed, it's Satan. So very fascinating that the narrative regarding fallen angels, Nephilim, and there's the uh, novel right there, and this whole spiritual component is being brought up right now. You have a lot of people say that they're spiritual but not religious. That's because everybody understands right now we're in a fight between good and evil. And we need to be on the side of good, obviously. And this, this wonderful uh, next couple videos really raise even more questions. But my point is this. During this time, in the battle for good versus evil, which side are you on? And you know in your heart where you're supposed to be. And so when we read about these things as Christians— we already know the answer, and the answer is Jesus Christ. Now, another interesting video that came out of Miami was a police officer saying he couldn't even talk about what happened, and, and ostensibly this was a call that happened at spur of the moment. So let's go ahead and listen to that. How have I not heard about this? My dad's a police officer in Miami, and I mean, like, he's even running for sheriff, and I, I just talked to him. He didn't say anything about that. Hey, hey, did you, uh, have you been seeing the alien stuff? Did you see that in, at, at Bayside? Oh, I'm not allowed to talk about it. I'm not allowed to talk about it. You're, you're joking. You're joking. <laughs> did they tell you not to talk about it? How many times do we were just like the park? Um, okay, so they're saying it's like a, um, like a fight broke out. Why did they send so many police cars? Are you serious? You can't say it. You can't. That's odd. But then this video is even stranger of a supposed Nephilim walking in front of the mall. Well, that's not really a Nephilim. It looks like three people maybe walking together. All right. So let's take a look next at the Local News 10 video that... I got through some of my own channels that talks about the actual fight and shows part of it, apparently, that happened inside that mall. Go ahead and roll the clip. All right. And it looks like, too, as we, as we analyze this, the bigger story is that there, everybody is, is, is knowing something's off and that there is a spiritual component to this. So we could see from this News uh, 10 article and video that there, in fact, was a fight that appeared to have broken out inside the mall. We would expect to get videos of this, but my question has, has been, 
everybody's got a cell phone. Why did it take so long for some of this stuff to come out? And where is the rest of it corroborating what's going on? And why did they close the Miami airport? That was weird too. So a lot of questions still up in the air, but the main point here is we are in a spiritual battle and we know what the answer is. So let's get praying. And that brings us to your daily intelligence briefing. Coming to us from the globalist front and technocracy news, shoppers fume at RoboCop in supermarket aisles. Shoplifting's always been a problem. Now they're putting robots. And the SaferPod S1 hoovers up all conceivable data in the environment, including facial scans, audio conversations, movements, and details about appearance. Wow. Why would we want to have RoboCop cameras in supermarket aisles instead of just actually prosecuting shoplifting? Perhaps there is another nefarious reason, and that is to continue to drill down on what is called in activity-based intelligence the pattern of life of people and form not just a pattern, but a dossier on every human being so that they can introduce stimulus because they know us better than we know ourselves to get people to behave a certain way. We're going to talk in a future episode about the great taking in that book. There's some very startling comments made in that book uh, that I think have done a great job showing the subtle nature of what is happening right now. And this continued march toward one world government, one world religion, and one world economy. That brings us next on Technocracy News to Weinstein to Tucker Carlson, who intends to silence or end free speech in America. Well, this is interesting because this article came out on the eve of the next World Economic Forum happening next week in Davos, Switzerland. So it's interesting to see what comes out of this. But I, I want to just highlight a couple things out of this from the technocracy article. Quote, I think it's fair to say that we are in the middle of a coup, that we are actually facing the elimination of our national and our personal sovereignty. And that is the purpose of what is being constructed. That has been written in such a way where your eyes are supposed to glaze over it as you attempt to sort out what is under discussion. In other words, they are giving us so much information that we're missing the forest, the trees. And that brings us to the China front. Coming to us from Indo-Pak News, Kim Jong-un threatens South Korea with, quote, total destruction. The DPRK will not hesitate to use its entire arsenal to destroy South Korea if the situation escalates and provocations Continue, the provocations are the artillery drills in response to North Korea's provocations. And I find uh, interesting as well that Minister Shin, speaking at the 12th International Conference of the Korean National Strategy Institute, the Brookings Institute, held at the Plaza Hotel in Seoul, said, quote, we are currently facing the most serious global security situation since the Cold War. As strategic competition between the U.S. and China intensifies, the division between the blocks of liberal democracy and authoritarianism is increasing. China is uh, strengthening its alliance 
with Russia and North Korea and military cooperation between Russia and North Korea is also becoming more solid. He continued, quote, and I want everybody to listen to this. North Korea is seriously threatening the security of the entire world by enhancing its nuclear and missile capabilities. End quote. This all plays into the longstanding prediction that North Korea will be used as a tripwire or the start of a world war. And that brings us to the Middle East front and a ton happening there. As you heard earlier, the United States and Great Britain have launched attacks on the Houthis in Yemen. In addition to that, yesterday, Iran confirmed, and this coming to us from Visegrad 24, that it is behind the hijacking of the oil tanker St. Nicholas near Oman and that the U.S. controlled and Greek operated tanker was carrying 145,000 tons of oil from Iraq to Turkey. So now this is very key. The shipping crisis has now been expanded to the Strait of Hormuz. And we talked about this on Patriot Radio here a couple months ago, that there very likely would be an escalation in that area where, a again, a gigantic amount of the world's oil flows through. That brings us next to OSINT defender, journalist Hamza and his oldest son, of Al Jazeera's Gaza bureau, tree, uh, bureau chief, excuse me, were killed, and that was revealed by Israeli intelligence. But it was also revealed they happened to be terror operatives. You're kidding me. How surprising. Al Jazeera journalists were terror operatives? Who'd have thunk? And that moves us next to OSINT Defender and the Israeli Ministry of Health. And I want everybody to pay attention to this. We look at analyzing situations where war is in the offing. And we look at a few key things. The position of U.S. aircraft carriers, the position of U.S. air defense, the position of U.S. ground forces. We also consider what is happening with hospital units in the local area. And you've heard me say this on the show before. So pay attention to this little tidbit. The Israeli Ministry of Health has reported reportedly placed hospitals and clinics across northern Israel, including Rambam Medical Center in the city of Haifa on high alert in preparation to receive thousands of possible casualties. That signals to me that they're in the final planning stages of a war with Lebanon. And that brings us next to Visegrad 24. The commander of Hezbollah's aerial forces in southern Lebanon, Ali Hussein Barji, was killed in an Israeli drone strike and he was killed on the way to the funeral of the special forces commander that was killed by the Israelis a couple of days ago. Expect this to continue like we've talked about next few weeks. The Israelis are going to continue to pick off leadership of Hezbollah. And that brings us to the Russia front coming to us from Visegrad 24. Sweden announces it will station 800 soldiers. In other words, a battalion in Latvia within a NATO contingent commanded by Canada. The Swedes want to provide deter a deterrence against Russia regardless of whether they are NATO members themselves or not. So that is, or sorry, that is Sweden stepping out now, even though it's not officially a part of NATO yet, and saying we're going to put our troops where our mouth is. More flashpoints building, folks, everywhere. And that brings us next to Chuck Colesto, 
massive fuel tax protests in Germany under the auspices of farmers and agriculture, but really this looks like it is involving everybody. The media is ignoring that civil unrest. In addition to that, in Poland, not only is there civil unrest, but there is a brewing constitutional crisis. Conservatives flooding the streets of Poland in protest to the liberals arresting members of the opposition party. Huh, that sounds familiar. And they're not having any of it in Poland. Expect there to be something dramatic here happening in the next couple of weeks. We're going to get our friend from Poland on the show here soon to talk about what's actually happening on the ground there. And that brings us now to the national front. Coming to us from Gateway Pundit, Trump unexpectedly takes over New York City courtroom and goes off on the judge and Letitia James. He appeared in court. They wouldn't give him leave to go be with Melania, whose mother just died. I mean, just horrendous. He asked for just some time to go do that. The judge rejected it. And Trump called the prosecution, quote, election interference at the highest level. It's coordination with the White House and Joe Biden. Trump said outside the Manhattan courthouse before he entered the court for closing arguments. President Trump was also banned from giving a closing statement in his own defense after Judge and Goron rescinded his permission. However, Trump took over the courtroom and unloaded on the judge and Letitia James. And I want you to just hear a couple of these things. Well, I think, Your Honor, that this case goes outside just the facts. The financial statements were perfect. The banks got back their money and are as happy as can be. And he said, quote, this is fraud on me. What's happened here, sir, is fraud on me. So Trump did have his own closing statement. By the way, they were trying to create an appealable issue. And I would expect that to go up, that they banned his closing statement. And that brings us next to Gateway Pundit. One united criminal group exists. This group is Biden, Blinken, and Newland. The guy who broke the Biden Burisma story sits for a first interview in two years and just shoots it straight that this action by the administration has been a cover-up for a whole bunch of things happening in Ukraine. That brings us next to Western Journal. Vivek says the system will now force a Haley DeSantis ticket. It's hiding in plain sight. I want to talk about this quickly. The mainstreamers, um, you'll, you're going to see mainstream Republicans try to jump into races uh, everywhere in the United States and disrupt any sort of conservative momentum, patriot momentum, to actually save the United States, or at least give a shot to do that. Um, here in Washington State, uh, you've got uh, mainstream Republicans about ready to put their candidate in the race for governor. You have DeSantis and Haley, but Haley's really who they want coming in to try to disrupt the race regarding Trump. And I just, 
again, I'm stepping back for a second. I just want to analyze this from a political and a geostrategic lens. The mainstream Republicans come in so conservatives can't win. So don't be on the side of those who are trying to disrupt the attempt to save the country. It's just a quick lesson and a quick analysis. And that brings us to the last article from J. Michael Waller. Amazing takeaways from just 14 hours of congressional investigation of COVID-19. Unaccountable officials just winged it and most of the country mindlessly complied. Well, I hope we've learned our lesson because it's going to take a little bit different form this next time. And it's going to take courageous men and women across this nation to stand up and say no. Now, some people might think that Trump's behavior in the courtroom was wrong. Some people may think it was even rude. But the fact of the matter is that the way to defeat a color revolution, and that is what is being attempted against the United States and Poland now and Germany, and you pick your other places. The way to defeat a color revolution is for millions of voices to stand up wherever they are planted in your local church, in your local community, in your parent-teacher organization, at your business, at your job, to stand up and tell the truth, come what may. And that's the briefing. Remember, the antidote to dependency and socialism is to be a God-fearing, self-reliant, freedom-loving American. Thank you to everybody that has been praying for us, and thank you for following us on Rumble and also subscribing on telegram wow aliens are among us illegal aliens maybe and that brings us to our guest today j michael waller he's an expert on strategic communication and unconventional conflict presently he is the president of georgetown research and a political risk and private intelligence company in washington dc and he is a senior analyst for the strategy uh, for strategy at the center for security policy he's also the author of the recently released book big intel how the cia and fbi went from cold war heroes to deep state villains j michael waller it is great to have you back on the show how are you doing all right great to be back with you matt it's been a while i don't know where we start with this um <laughs> let's talk about big intel let's talk about your book first what prompted you to release this, especially at this time? Well, the publisher asked me to write it. So it was really fortuitous. They wanted a book about the CIA. And I said, well, what about a book about the FBI? Because that has more effect on all our lives than the CIA does. So they said, how about both? And that's how we came up with Big Intel. So what is Big Intel? And I mean, is this affecting ordinary Americans? It is. And the book is really about how... The CIA and FBI went from essential parts of, of protecting all of us as Americans and defending our constitution to becoming a woke intelligence community that was against our country's founding principles and therefore against all of us as citizens. So it's, it's, a, it's really a history story. It started out as a Soviet active measures operation, covert subversive Soviet campaign a century ago aimed at Germany after World War I to overthrow Europe. And then uh, with right after World War II, before World War II even, uh, they, they sent their agents over to the United States to, to pollute us and to divide us and to infiltrate our institutions. Well, we, we don't have time maybe to talk about the Frankfurt Institute today, but that would be a, a fantastic show. 
However, I do want to talk about what what has this morphed into? You know, the, the deep state has kind of become a little bit of a nebulous term. I think historically we could start with the Roosevelt administration, you know, 329 confirmed Soviet agents in the Roosevelt administration uh, based on the Venona transcripts and the Matroikin archives, et cetera. But let's move to today. How are these just tools of the deep state and how how corrupted is it right now? Well, I don't use the term deep state in the book. That's only on the cover, but it's really corrupted. It is a it is a self-governing system that's responsible only to itself. And right now it's purging itself of people who still believe in in American values. And it's 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 recruiting from below and and running from the top a, an apparatus that is really um critical theory, you know, critical law theory, critical race theory, critical queer theory, critical now intelligence theory to to really marxify everything that our whole intelligence and law enforcement community does. So, so they're throwing out rules of evidence the way a law enforcement agency would be compelled to abide by rules of evidence, in fact, and the same with with the intelligence community where they're they're ignoring certain facts. They want to arrive at prearranged conclusions not to find the truth to inform our leaders of what's happening in the world. It hasn't become a political weapon. I know that's been thrown, that it gets thrown around, but I want to be very objective about that. I mean, objectively, has it become a political weapon? Yeah, I mean, it always was. In every government agency can be a political weapon. So when you have somebody like J. Edgar Hoover running the FBI for, for nearly half a century, of course, and few laws to hold him back. Of course, there's going to be political abuse. But in looking at Hoover's career, he was far more restrained at his worst than the FBI is today in terms of abusing Americans' rights. Well, and let's talk a little bit about the purpose of the CIA and the FBI. I mean, it is supposed to be aimed at at foreign adversaries trying to disrupt the United States and create terror networks inside the United States. And yet, I don't remember the last times, at least since the Holy Land Foundation trial, where there has been an actual disruption of a large terror network inside the United States. Why? Well, part of it could be because, you know, they, they were killed off or deterred or, or switched tactics in the early 2000s with the war on terrorism. But if you look this this weekend in Washington, D.C., there's going to be a huge protest uh, for Gaza and it's being run by Hamas. You just mentioned the Holy Land Foundation. You know, the group CARE, the uh, Council on American Islamic Relations. That's a Hamas auxiliary. And they're running the show with a lot of communist front groups, uh, old time ones from the from the 50s and 60s uh, to to have this huge protest against us. So they've joined forces and now they're there. And uh, uh FBI's not watching them, not the way they're watching other people. Yeah, maybe even me and you. Who knows? Um, I want I want to talk a little bit about these protests too, because as you look at the different cities that are being chosen, maybe I'm being a little paranoid. I don't know, but it looks like a potential dry run for riots or or worse this summer. Right. Yeah. It. it it looks that way. We don't know that it is. Some of the groups like CARE prefer to operate as close to the edges of the law as possible so they won't get busted as terrorists and, and foreign troublemakers. So they work generally within the law and then they litigate constantly to make sure that 
that the authorities are on the defensive. Uh, but they also, quote, help the FBI by serving as translators or cultural experts or whatever else. So, so the FBI has been using the Hamas front group as an asset here to fight terror. You know, go figure that one. But then you have other groups funded straight out of China. Mm. Code pink. Uh, the, the international answer, which is loyal to North Korea. These are not, you know, this is not protected speech they're doing. They're acting as agents of foreign powers and nobody's watching them and nobody's been breaking them up. Well, it seems that our, our enemies have been dramatically emboldened, especially in the last eight months, dramatically emboldened around the world. Uh, you know, now we have airstrikes happening in Yemen and it's just, it seems like the world is spinning toward chaos, but I want to focus quickly on China. There is clearly a march toward retaking Taiwan. And I see, at least as, as I analyze this stuff and I see the huge buildup with the Philippines and Japan and all of these things happening, people are missing what's actually coming across the southern border into the United States of America you know, just point blank, are there Chinese special forces cells inside the United States of America? And what would be their strategy going forward if there is a conflict with Taiwan? Right. Well, first, we don't know for a fact what the Chinese People's Liberation Army has inserted here. But think of it just from a practical perspective. Wouldn't it be the smart thing for them to infiltrate special operations units into this country so that in the event of a conflict, they can fight us here and cause us to fight one another here instead of fighting over there. It, it, so it's perfectly rational that they would have some sort of advanced force like this. Now, today there was a report from the Department of Homeland Security that 16,000 Chinese nationals had been detected coming over the border. That's the size of a U.S. Army division. Wow. That's come over the border that the government is reporting on. It's far larger than that. Some of them are military-aged males. We've seen that. Some of them look, they had came over with uniform haircuts, uh, the same type of clothing, the exact same backpacks, and then a few ended up um, on, on social media uh, firing um, you know, semi-automatic rifles at ranges. So, you know, Who's organizing them to come here and do that? And why would they do that if they're merely seeking refuge or, and looking for jobs the way the, the way the, our dear leaders want to tell us? Well, that, that brings up the same question with the Muslim Brotherhood's, you know, special section, uh, Unit 910, just, just different Islamic terror cells. But what is your analysis of the existence of those inside the United States? And, you know, obviously they're operating in major cities, but I want to drill down a little bit further. What about rural communities? Well, you travel around rural America now and you will see more foreign-born people living where there really weren't any. Uh, some of them are just there to work. Some of them have created their own communities. Some of them build their own settlements. And when you see across the American Midwest, for example, mosques going up that happen to be Muslim Brotherhood mosques because they're tied in with all the Muslim Brotherhood groups, when many of the Muslims coming to America are coming here to flee the Muslim Brotherhood in their own countries. <laughs> So, so there's, and so the Brotherhood is trying to dominate the narrative as they have since before 9-11. So this is 25 years old or more to, to claim to speak for all Muslims in America. And of course, the, the Muslim immigrants here who 
didn't come to cause trouble are frightened because now they see they're still living under the Muslim Brotherhood now in the United States. So they're afraid to speak out. They're afraid to do anything and they, they will be easily intimidated. So, but since we do know that we have large organized Muslim Brotherhood cells nationwide and they're pretty open about it, they just don't call themselves Muslim Brotherhood. It makes sense. They're going to have every type of, of unit, uh, every form of trained personnel here to do what's needed when the time comes. So right now their jihad inside America is not armed jihad. It's organizational jihad. It's civilizational jihad. So when Hamas came out after their attack in October in Israel and said, we want global jihad, the first manifestation of global jihad are big protests of solidarity in cities around the world. So that's what we're seeing here. So what this would is you the kind of thing watching closely and they're not they should be exactly so what do you expect to happen here in the next couple months well i think it would be pretty nonviolent, or or you know mostly peaceful let's say <laughs> uh because it's the advantage of the muslim brotherhood not to break the law right now you might get some crazies you might get some non-muslim antifa types you might get some just people who want to cause trouble and other islamic factions that are more extreme in terms of their tactics than the brotherhood you might see some of that happen and certainly you know i would bet money that you're going to see all kinds of direct action of violence going on starting maybe in may until the election just like we saw in 2020 only maybe more maybe more yeah which brings us to the counterintelligence or, or lack of counterintelligence apparatus inside the united states how bad is it i mean do we actually have anything that is really viable right now well, the FBI is responsible for counterintelligence, and that means not just countering and neutralizing foreign spies, but also countering and neutralizing foreign intelligence operations that are aimed at us. The FBI has been very poor about doing that. It, it has not been good throughout its history. And frankly, the laws have been pretty weak on it, too. So they bust people for breaking the Foreign Agents Registration Act, which is really a slap on the wrist kind of thing. So when you're here as a foreign agent running an operation against us, to um, influence how we think, influence how we behave, divide us against one another, cause violence or disruptions and so forth. There are really few laws at hand to, like say the, Brit the Brits have, or some other countries have, to, uh, to get rid of these people and throw them out. Not that the British are doing much of that right now, but right. so we don't really have the legal tools, but because we don't have the legal tools, we don't have the training and the ethos within the FBI to be really watchful and devoting a lot of resources to this. So if we're looking at what the FBI is really doing for counterintelligence, look at it in the news. It's mainly low-level, low-hanging fruit, you know, a sailor here, a businessman there, a Harvard professor, you know, the head of the chemistry department and so forth who, who got off on uh, essentially spying for China, but that wasn't what he was charged with because we don't have those laws. So, so the FBI is just getting the real easy stuff. They're not going after the deep penetration agents. We're the number one target in the world, practically every, of literally every hostile intelligence service. So to say that our leaders in the media, in politics, in business, elsewhere, education have not been compromised is, you know, we're just sticking our heads in the sand to ignore that. You have never seen the FBI break up any real networks like that. Yeah. And, and I don't know if we will here in the near future, but that brings us to the solutions part of this. What is the solution to big intel first? Well, first of all, you need to, you, smaller can be better. If we had a smaller FBI 
or, or smaller counterintelligence service that was just devoted to, to hunting foreign spies and foreign agents. So it's not a law enforcement agency. It's a security agency to go after foreign spies. That would be one thing. Split that off from the law enforcement part, because that's where you get the abuses coming in, where they're using spy tactics on uh, as a type of law enforcement. And it's just not not legal and it's not constitutional or there it raises a lot of problems in those areas so then you you really uh, take the fbi's different duties and you you take their firearms duties and hand it over to atf and nobody likes atf we can deal with that later take the counterintelligence component the national security branch and and have it as its own counterintelligence and security service not under any fbi leadership but under some a separate kind of ethos you have their criminal investigations reduced handed over to the u.s marshal service which is almost scandal free as our nation's oldest law enforcement agency and it hasn't gone that woke yet and so you you and then you, you divide up the bureau that way and then you don't need an fbi anymore but we still have those valuable functions that the fbi does perform and should perform better well let's talk then too about the cia i mean that's a very controversial topic uh some of its original purpose really isn't being done right now and then you have the other side of it where it is being done but without very much accountability so how, how is there a balance with the CIA and, and getting it back onto the track that it should be on. Yeah, the CIA was built to fight the Cold War, to fight Soviet subversion around the world and, and foreign threats to us. So it's, it's only supposed to operate abroad. It's never, by law, it's not supposed to interfere in US politics or spy on Americans, but it has and it does. That has to stop and there's been no real accountability for it. So really with the CIA, you have a huge amount of waste and abuse where they're using secret intelligence for climate change and for gender and for DEI and all of this other stuff that has nothing to do with keeping the country safe. Just get rid of all of that. We only have about 1,500 CIA agents stationed around the world. All the rest is bureaucracy and analysts. And really, a lot of the, the analysis is junk. I was a graduate professor. A lot of my students were CIA analysts, either practicing at the time or future. And a lot of my colleagues were former CIA analysts and and officers. So so I, I know I've had a really good look inside the agency and what it can and can't do. And it is while it does have some of the best of the best, that has not been the trend since 9-11, where they just wanted to get quantities of people to come in. And a lot of those people have been very uh, left-wing, very woke, very um, DEI-oriented uh, environment of new recruits coming in, so that now it's been over 20 years they've been in the service, so they're midway, more than midway through their careers. There's some of them are approaching the ends of their careers, so they came in, you know, pre-woke, and now they're running what they turned into a woke organization. All of that has to go and we can have a much better and more effective counterintelligence, excuse me, a much better foreign intelligence capability and better analysis if we have something much smaller. And it, both because we don't do that many operations abroad anyway, we rely on other countries to do it for us. And second, our analysis, most of it is just not useful at all. It's supposed to inform the president. It's not supposed to be doing climate change and gender stuff. So, so that all can go. And, and then you can have a much smaller, stronger intelligence capability for the country. And I think reforming the assessment methods without getting into details, reforming the assessment methods uh, for the CIA would be a great first place to start. Absolutely. I want to talk next about the Southern border and 
we have all of these folks coming across. We don't know where they're from necessarily, why they're here. What can we do as Americans? I mean, clearly the federal government's not doing it. Now we're seeing some states do something, but it doesn't seem like it's enough. And it seems like we are being overwhelmed. Invaded, I think, is a correct word based on the amount of people that are coming across the southern border illegally. Yeah, it's unsustainable. Now they're taking over our schools. You know, you've got you've got governors talking about having them stay in people's homes, and it it, it it it's it's completely out of control. If you and I have to show our ID every place and take off, you know, you know, disrobe practically, and then go through an electronic strip search to get on a plane, and and have our our biometrics scanned just to 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 get you know certain boardings on certain flights, it's insane when we're letting in people who we have no idea who they are, where they were trained, what they're all about, who can just roam around the country freely. So you have all these terrible burdens being placed on American citizens, and you're letting these people who are bringing in uh, d disease, all sorts of social disorders, all sorts of uh, health disorders, all sorts of economic burdens on us. They add no value to the country at all. If we were bringing in you know, scientists and engineers and doctors and, and, and technicians and so forth from around the world, that could be great because we need people like that. But this stuff that we're bringing in, it's just going to be more chain migration and all of us are going to pay and future generations are going to pay no grounding in American values, no education in the American way of life. Not that our own kids are getting much of it anymore either, but them and certainly their children won't. So now you will have an a woke anti-American uh, large segment of the American population who came in this way, not respecting our laws, having no respect for authority with a colossal sense of entitlement. Right. And they'll never be real Americans. No, I mean, and George Washington said it best. He said, if you want to come here and become part of America, we welcome you with open arms. But if you're coming to bring something else in to try to undermine this country, then you're not welcome. And, you know, I, that was from the very beginning. I think that that's where we need to get back to. And bringing us to solutions now, I mean, can local government, as you analyze this, what do you think would be the most effective way to deal with this? Not only from the national security threat perspective, but even local law enforcement threat perspective that you have people coming in with vast criminal records uh, that they leave their, their country of origin and we have no access to those things. We have no clue that, you know, they've been in jail multiple times in their young lives and they're coming here to the United States. How does the local law enforcement, you know, deal with that or how should states deal with that? It's really tough because the federal laws are against them. And a lot of states don't even have their own laws. So I think the, you know, Governor Abbott of Texas and Governor DeSantis of Florida have the right idea. Ship them all to sanctuary cities and sanctuary states. Because those cities and states, by their own laws, have decided years ago to welcome illegal aliens from around the world and to shelter them and care for them there. So if those are their laws, and in New York, it's part of the Constitution of New York now. So you have... You know, ship them to those states where the states and local communities welcome them. Not a problem. Just don't ask the rest of us to pay for it. Amen. <laughs> In the last couple of minutes that we've got, where can people go get your book and uh, where can they go find out information and, and be best informed? And there's so much information is bombarding us right now. And it's good, I think, for people to kind of hone that down and focus on a few sources. Sure. Well, our own website at the Center for Security Policy is securefreedom.org. 
we cover a lot of these issues all the time. We have regular emails going out. If you want to sign up for them, great. If you want to just visit the site, securefreedom.org. The book is called Big Intel. So you can get it on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. And um, it's on Audible, or it will be as of Tuesday. And uh, and then there are Kindle versions and other electronic versions right away. And so Big Intel is the title, and it's coming out Tuesday. And it, uh, it won't get favorable reviews by if it does at all, by uh, former FBI and CIA senior people, because uh, I'm not very kind to how they transform these agencies. Well, you heard J. Michael Waller right now, everybody. If you see the book on Amazon, buy it and review it in a positive manner. Amen. All right. So I, I we had a breaking news story just before we came on the air, the United States uh, launching airstrikes against Yemen. Just quick analysis do you think this is going to continue? Do you think this is kind of a one-off? How do you think this is going to shape up here in the next week? This is provocative weakness. We acted weak, so we invited these attacks on us because we didn't do what our Navy was created to do, which was to protect trade routes and to protect trade routes that, that for our economy. And so we didn't do that. And we kept saying, warning after warning after warning, if you strike us, we might do something naughty that you won't like. And so now we warn them that we're going to attack them so they can all take shelter. So we'll probably blow up a bunch of places with minimal casualties for them. And I get a lot of people mad at us, but leave all the bad guys still at large. Also, so it's just another just like just like Blinken and, and, and Biden are trying to prevent Israel from being a sovereign country, trying to hold Israel back from destroying Hamas. It, Israel has to destroy Hamas. We don't need to do it. But the way the Biden administration is doing it, it's going to let Hamas survive to fight another day, let Hezbollah be intact in the north, and then let the Iranian regime that's behind all of this stuff to not sweat it out because they, they continue to have the upper hand over us. We don't want to upset the mullahs. Right, exactly. And th that brings me to the, the last point on this. What about Iran admitting that it hijacked a ship in the Strait of Hormuz? I mean, I, I was just, I was actually absolutely stunned that they would come out and actually admit that. But I guess they feel like we can be as provocative as we want. There's, there's no consequence. Yeah. What, what are we going to do to them? Right. Why not admit to international piracy? We've just given them billions and billions of dollars and the administration wants to give them billions more. Why not? What times we live in. What times we live in. J. Michael Waller, thank you so much for joining me on Patriot Radio today. God bless you and keep up the fight. Bless you too, Matt. You too. All right. J. Michael Waller, Center for Security Policy and also... He's the president of Georgetown Research, political risk and private intelligence company in Washington, D.C. Uh, if you have not gone to securefreedom.org, go to securefreedom.org, sign up for their emails, a fantastic organization. Uh, also, they've got a, a, a resource part of the site where you can go get primary source documents and analysis going back for a long ways. Um, between that and, and uh, a couple other sites that, I've talked about in the past, you can really learn quickly what we're facing without having to read through a ton of stuff and figure it out on your own. So take a look at that. I'm going to go next to Twitter and see if we've got any breaking news out of Yemen right now. And uh, looks like the Houthis made a huge mistake. Visegrad 24. There's a, that is a large armada headed toward, 
edit toward that area. This looks like it might be an old uh, video link, but either way, missiles and planes, ships and submarines involved in this as well. Uh, we're going to check this as two, and it looks like strikes against the Houthi terrorist group in Yemen were an attempt to degrade their capacity to wage war as well as restore deterrence. However, the United States and Britain are entering a heightened posture as it is expected the Houthis will continue to increase their tax and attempt to seize ships in the Red Sea. And this, this brings up the point, yeah, we telegraphed that we're going to attack, so what did we actually destroy strategically? But bigger than that, there are Iranian terror cells very likely inside the United States, Muslim Brotherhood terror cells very likely in the United States. At what point are they activated in response to what's going on over there in the Middle East. U.S. President Biden has released a statement tonight regarding uh, the joint airstrikes by aircraft ships and submarines of the U.S. and British Armed Forces against the Houthi terror group in Yemen with the support of Australia, Bahrain. That's interesting because that drags in Saudi Arabia, at least by proxy, Canada, and the Netherlands. At the end of the statement, Biden says, I will not hesitate to direct further measures to protect our people and the free flow of international commerce as necessary. Oh, man, that sounds like a, a one-off. I don't know how that's possible because it just takes them a couple more strikes, and then what happens? Wow. And he called it a defensive action following extensive diplomatic campaign. Wow, this, again, a weak response coming out of the United States government tonight. Oh, well, uh, expect that to continue in some form here over the next 48 to 72 hours where it strikes back and forth. Uh, just going to be interesting to see what happens by Monday. Um, remember, Monday is the media cycle day, so all the big things, they like to release those on Monday. be interesting to see if that means full-fledged war where we send ground troops in to Yemen. And uh, coming to us from Fitex News, Israel is on high alert for retaliation by the Houthis and other pro-Iranian proxies against Israel. Uh, that high alert was already kind of happening because of what we talked about earlier in the show, that the likelihood of war in, uh, with Israel and Lebanon is increasing by the day. And the fact that they have... Uh, very likely notified hospitals to be on standby in emergency alert in northern Israel is just one more indicator that this war is growing in the Middle East. Wow. Well, that brings us back to aliens. <laughs> we, uh, we started the show with aliens. We're going to end the show with aliens. Travis, I hope we have the um, the clip from the second clip from Tucker Carlson. I don't know if we do or not, but if we don't, I want to replay the first clip from Tucker Carlson, and then I want to end the show with just a very quick analysis. Go ahead. The 70s, and servicemen have approached them, and they approach, and they get traumatic brain injury, or they're killed, and he studied their brains. We got a call from this guy who's a tenured Stanford Medical School professor. He comes on and he's like, 11 years ago, the U.S. government reached out to me because 
I'm an expert on head injuries, on brain injuries, traumatic brain injuries. And they had all these court cases from families of U.S. servicemen, over 100, who'd been killed by UFOs. The Department of Defense was refusing to give them death benefits or medical benefits. And he's like, so they're in the courts. And I was like, there are over 100 servicemen killed by UFOs? Like, what? He's like, yeah. And there are court cases about it. I'm like, why isn't this on the front page of the New York Times? I don't know. And in a number of cases, these things have landed on military bases, including famously in Germany, in West Germany in the 70s. And servicemen have approached them. And they approach and they get traumatic brain injury or they're killed. I have an idea. Instead of prioritizing extraterrestrial aliens and instead of prioritizing illegal aliens over our children, as happened in James Madison High School in New York and other places, too, we probably don't even know about yet. How about we actually put America first? How about we restore Jesus Christ as king of the United States of America? As the founding fathers said, no king but Jesus was a rallying cry. Perhaps that is the solution in this time. In fact, not perhaps, I know it is. This is Matt Shea. Thank you so much for joining me on Patriot Radio. May God bless all of you. And he is making this generation the greatest one. The awakening is here. Keep up the fight.